Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are we ready? I love these quotes, by the way. Hello, I'm Charlie Baker and welcome to Glory Hunters, the show that invites celebrity fans to come and have a go if they think they're smart enough. Each week, our guests represent the team they've always supported in an epic battle of wits. But who will have earned a place in this compilation of classic encounters and who will be left on the cutting room floor? It's up for grabs now on Glory Hunters. Thanks for joining us for this special edition where we'll look back at some titanic tussles and fiery fixtures from the past few months. Each week, we invite a host of names to play on behalf of their club in a contest that sees the winner advance to the next round. A competition that is host to a range of voices. Now is the wind <laughs> of our discontent <laughs> and all the clouds that lord upon our house. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's so slow these days. But if you make him angry and you give him some fireworks and put him on the shire, he turns into McLennan. Hey, get down, do the chopper, get down. <laughs> do the chopper, do it. We also brought you the musical pairing that no one thought would ever happen. Not David Icke and Tina Turner, Eddie Grant and Delia Smith. Working so hard like a soldier. Unlikely pairing, perhaps, but then the show is full of unlikely matchups where even the smallest of clubs must state their case in this. My club's bigger than your club. My club's bigger than your club. Each team has 30 seconds to tell us why the club they support is bigger than their opponents. They're free to be as creative as they wish, as demonstrated by Ivo Graham when he tried to convince us that Swindon Town are bigger than Newcastle United. I have a lot of respect for Newcastle United, or at least I did until earlier this season when I paid my first ever visit to St James's Park or the Sports Direct Arena. Did you know Newcastle is sponsored by Sports Direct? You'll know when you go to the ground. It's absolutely everywhere. What a, what a, what a shameful advertising hoarding that is. At Swindon, you just have the names of classic players and they used to have one little sign saying Jamie Cullum Jazz Idol, which they had for about 20 years. But it's basically a, a, a sort of it's a Mike Ashley museum. We're three divisions apart at the moment but Swindon are the most upwardly mobile team in Britain whereas Newcastle are stumbling into the abyss in 18 months time we will be in the championship together you're going to get away with it this season but not next up front this season we had Owen Doyle for the first half of the season scored more goals than anyone else in Europe they've still got Andy Carroll up front and the absolutely hapless Joe Linton. no thank you Richie Wellens is the most exciting manager in the country uh, Steve Bruce is a dinosaur who needs to be put out of his misery I cannot imagine a fate worse than clinging on to the belief that Newcastle are some sort of big team, whereas Swindon are a small team who are exceeding their expectations and will continue to for some years to come. Dougie Anderson mounted a robust argument in a recent All-Scottish affair when he argued that Hibs towered above Aberdeen. Sir Isaac Newton, Mahatma Gandhi, Emmeline Pankhurst, 
Rosa Parks. <laughs> All important pioneers and trailblazers add to that list, Hibernian FC. First Scottish and British team to play in the European Cup got to the semi-finals. First team to play in the green and white hoops long before Celtic or Sporting Lisbon. But the design classic now of the green body with white sleeves is a beauty, as we all know. Um, first British team to play at the Maracanã Stadium. We're talking global here, but hips transcend football by way of popular culture. The film that changed the landscape of the 90s cinema-wise was, of course, Chainspotting, written by a hippie, contains a cast of hippies. T2 Chainspotting, likewise. Sunshine on Leaf, the play, the film, the song a modern-day football anthem par excellence. The most critically acclaimed TV show in the world right now, HBO's Succession. Logan Roy, as protagonist, is a Hibs fan. We're talking worldwide brand recognition. <laughs> there is even a commercial with E.T. in a Hibs top. That's right, we've moved from the global earth and we've gone into the cosmos. Now, Aberdeen. Aberdeen will bang on about winning the Cup Winners' Cup, but it's a defunct competition. And there's only... There's only just like many forgettable teams, Luth Aberdeen, like Dynamo Tbilisi and Mechelen of Belgium who won that thing as well. <laughs> Let's not even get started on the Super Cup. The Super Cup, a Diddy also defunct competition. That's just one letter shy, one letter shy of being called the Supper Cup. <laughs> By the time Aberdeen fancied themselves in the early 80s, Hibs had already beaten the likes of Liverpool, Barcelona and Napoli in Europe. It was passé. What were Aberdeen fans doing at that point? I'll tell you, they were counting down the days until Annie Lennox got a record contract. <laughs> Hibs are trailblazers. Hibs are culture. Hibs are important. But perhaps the biggest challenge was when non-league aficionado Russell Grant argued that the Middlesex collective of non-league teams were bigger than Ainsley Harriet's arsenal. Put this out to the Middlesex guys and this is what they came back with. So it's clubs and the younger people that became mm. big people. They were cultured, nurtured by a club in Middlesex. Hendon. Ian Dowie, Wildstone, Stuart Pearce and Vinnie Jones, two players who went on to captain their respective countries, England and Wales. Jermaine Beckford and Marvin Morgan, Southall, Les Ferdinand, Hayes too, Yedding, Andrew MPDJ Campbell, Enfield Mark Warburton, Southall, Alan Devonshire and 11 others and Justin Fashion who went back to Southall. Also going back was Stuart Garner from Blackburn to Wildstone, John McCormack, Crystal Palace to Wildstone, Stainstown, Eric Young, Scott Taylor, Lyle Taylor, and Joe Aribo. <laughs> Sudbury Court, John Barnes, Bedfront Sports, Reese Gregos Cox. Uh, Ray Wilkins represented Middlesex, oh. born in Hillingdon. Hayes, Jason Roberts, Ashford Town, Middlesex, Danny Ballman, Hampton, Darren Powell, and the Wildstone Raider. Russell Grant and Middlesex there, a real force to be reckoned with. And on the subject of dynamic duos, when Bob Mills was asked which sports stars he'd invite round for dinner, there were two names on the team sheet. It would be Torval and Dean, uh, and it would be something that I can speak freely about because I, I have dined with them on many, many of, uh, occasions. Oh. It will be a very interesting evening. What will we be eating? Well, that's quite simple. Chris is a strange eater. He's a finicky eater. Let me put say that as a finicky... Like quail. Last time we dined together, he had quail. But it wasn't just, oh, lovely, I have a quail and I have some red wine, I'll, I'll have a juice. No, here's his tiny little quail. Tiny little pieces of quail that have been deboned. It's like an Ottolenghi quail. It's like, and there's a bit of green slime somewhere in the middle. There's no meat there on a quail. You know, <laughs> it's all bone nice. and that. But, he, but he'll eat quail and some of that. Whereas okay. Jane is a delight to cook for, because all you've got to do is open up a tin of suet pudding, basically. It's fucking kidney pudding. Frey Yeah, Frey Bento. <laughs> stick it in them, stick the whole thing, pierce the top, stick it in the boiling water and she'll, oh, have, a, she'll have half a dozen of them. <laughs> Seriously. With mash, she'll have half a dozen of them. Who's the third person? Now, the third person would have to be, and this is the top of my head, I'm going to say Royce Mills, who was a boxing yeah. referee. And the reason for that is when you when you are dining with Jane and uh, yeah. Claire, it's, uh, Jane and, and Chris, it's lovely for the first hour, lovely for the second hour. Third hour gets a little bit, but by the fourth hour there'll be a little mistake, and Jane will say something like, 
I remember when I looked at the scores and I thought, oh, my God, I've got all sixes. And Chris would say, oh, you got all sixes. Oh, oh, dear, right. oh really? I wasn't oh, there. And she'll say, of course you were there. Someone had to help me lift. And then it'll kick up. So you need a boxing referee in there to just hold them apart yeah. and say, listen, oi, oi, put that... Aperol spritzer down, Chris. You've had enough. <laughs> Leave it. Aperol's and who could lift her after six spray pentos? Oh, nowadays, nowadays you need a team of strong men, I tell you, to get her off to bed at the end of the night. It I'm going like... to bed, she said. I'm going to bed. Well, hang on. I'll oh, say, hang on, I'll get, I'll get my mate Ricky round to help and we'll take you up together. <laughs> Jordan Henderson is a player who likes to do his business in the middle of the park. <laughs> You're listening to Glory Hunters, the podcast from Talk Sport. It's time to incur the wrath of the sporting gods in the round we know as... Sporting Heretics. Each week, we invite our guests to propose an idea they believe will change sport for the better. An idea that may well challenge convention and break all the rules. But here on Glory Hunters, we're not afraid to tear up the rule book because where we're headed, we don't need rules. And we start with Bob Mills and an impassioned plea for more diversity in football management. Uh, social mobility, uh, equality, equal opportunities, diversity. It's all we ever hear from the people who run football. Yeah. Okay. They're weasel words. It's lip service, that's all they're playing. Because there are two words which they then sneak in at the end. They say, we should have more BAME managers. We should have more women managers. We should have more transgender. We should have all these people there. In fact, it shouldn't be about whether you're a man or a woman. It shouldn't be about you're black or black. It should be the best qualified person for the job should be given it. And that's where they stump you. Best qualified. What about people <laughs> with no qualifications? What about people who've been too busy earning a living to bother to be able to go out and get the badges? What about people who spent thousands and thousands of pounds watching football and therefore their knowledge of it is equal or better like to that. any of these people who've been to, on the courses at Lillyshaw? <laughs> oh, I'm going yeah, yeah. to Lillyshaw. Yeah, yeah. Now, I believe that there should be shortlists for managers of football clubs for people who just want to have a go. Lovely, yeah. You can just turn up and say, here's my season ticket, I've been coming 37 years, yeah. bang, yeah. and you should be in, yeah. and you should be given a go. Have you got your yeah. FA Pro licence? I've got my HGV licence. Yeah. You're in. You're I'll, in. Yeah. I'll tell you what I've got. I've got a couple of hundred pounds. Stick that in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> who's just, who's yeah. left this money on the table? I love it. I like the old... And that, that would be diversity. <laughs> And that's that. And as we read out now, the Charity Shield final. Pub Guardiola leading at Manchester City, and alongside him, the Manchester United manager, Stan Rouse from Barnsley, who's nicked a couple of quid on the table. He's a window cleaner. Yeah, he's fancied his chances, and God bless them, they've given him a go. And they, they, they go, Have you got your football badges? Yeah, I've got this one. It was on that you get it free with some frosties. My wife sold it on. Because the, the other badges. thing is this let's not beat about the bush. They love to be glamorised. Oh, we have them on talks. Oh, oh, Stan, oh, speak Sam. Oh, 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 look at Gareth, the job he's doing. Let me tell you something. I once went to a symphony and the, the conductor, this is honest truth, the conductor dropped his baton. Yeah. Music just carried on. It's carried on. No problem, yeah, 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 no yeah, problem yeah. at all. Absolutely no problem at all. Nothing changed. Wendy, yes. you think mums should be the match officials? I do. I think it'd be a great idea to have mum refs, mum linesmen. I'd like to see... I think it'd be great for the fans to see boys that are on 150 grand a week being told, right, we're doing this, are we? I think a mum look can silence anyone. <laughs> I think we, we, we should have more cards. We'd be like, that. the green cards means I've got my eyes on you. I know what you're doing. That's your first warning before I get my yellows. We should award free kicks for good behaviour. I think <laughs> you should encourage the good behaviour and ignore the bad. Nice. And also, I just think it'd be great, be great for all the fans to see yeah. them towing the line. Would the players have to tidy the dressing room up at the end of the game? Yes, they would. <laughs> and do you know what? Not your They'd have to tidy the away teams as well if they, ver if they upset me a lot. Would you, what, would you replace the dugout with like a naughty step? I wouldn't. I no, I wouldn't. I tell you, what I would do. I'd, you know, when the when the ball goes off and the manager of the opposite team doesn't help them get it. Oh, I'd like, no. Yes. But I'm not having that. It's good sportsmanship all round. They want to see everyone leading by example. Wendy, you've, you've pinpointed the problem with 
the whole of football, I think, which is mums aren't more involved. <laughs> um, and for that, I'm going to give you four goals, Wendy, Thank because I'm, I've, broken the, I've broken the scoring uh, rules and structure for you, Wendy, because Thank it was such much. a good answer. So we've, we've literally smashed the glass ceiling, have You've we? smashed on the glass ceiling on this I'm show, exactly. That Natalie, colour coding in tennis. Yes, I've been thinking about this for a while because, you know, at Wimbledon, it's very proper. Everyone has to wear white when yeah. you're playing tennis. Mm. And I think, isn't that a little bit boring? Oh. Because not everyone's as good as Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal no. or whoever it is. And surely it'd be nice if we have a colour coding system where you know roughly where that player is at in the world rankings, for example. Super, this is a superb So, yeah, judo, so, like 1 to 10, white. They're wearing white, oh, we know that. So that's the champion. <laughs> that's, yeah. they're the elite. And then, okay. you know, 11 to 20, black, 21 to 30, yellow. You get my gist. We're, like going, we're going down different colour So coding. if they're like 200th in the world, brown. Could be brown, yeah. <laughs> Could be beige, because beige is beige, beige yeah. is bland, oh. you know. You're not doing as yeah. well as everyone else. That way, you know the standard of tennis you're going to be watching. You're going to be knowing who's the top dog and who's the underdog and if there's an upset going on. It's very, it's very visual. Natalie, do you know what sport they do do this in? Go on. Stock car racing. What? Stock car racing. They have different colour roofs for how good you are and how, oh, well, there you go, how well, you well you are doing in, in the world rankings. There there gold you, top, oh, I didn't know that. top of the tree. White top. Beginner. Well, wouldn't it? I mean, you could have that. You could have, like, the defending Wimbledon champion coming out in gold. Yeah. The colour coding's very, very good, <laughs> Natalie. Karate. You do the same with karate, don't you? You get better karate, you get a nicer coloured belt. Is it? Yeah. 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 Judo That's well. true. That's very good. That's very, very good. Oh, uh, Natalie, makes a lot of sense to me, that. Eh? Uh, a lot of sense. Quite I honestly. can't argue with it. And I'm afraid it's another three points. Mike. Yeah. Mike Parry. Some cities should only have one football team. Exactly. Now, the city in question is Bristol. Ooh, arr, ooh, arr, let's have you, arr. Right, now, there's a chap called Ian Holloway, who uh, works with us sometimes here at TalkSport. Decent, very decent chap, great manager. But, you know, you're going to ask him, you know, how many team you think you should be in Bristol there, Ian? Arr, arr, how many do you think? And he'll probably say, although I've never asked him, he'll probably say one. Now, the reason is because neither Bristol City or Bristol Rovers have ever won one blinking thing in the whole of the history of their clubs, OK? So what you do is you demolish both their grounds, you abandon both their clubs, you put them together, and guess what colours they'd have if you did? They'd have Barcelona's colours, blue and red stripes. You would then build a new ground, you'd call it Bristol, not Bristol City or Bristol Rovers, just Bristol. In fact, to be even more clever, Bristol United, OK? Bristol United, one team in Bristol, they could probably then start putting themselves on the football mat. It's a brilliant idea. Sheffield, I'm afraid, have got to face up to the fact that neither of those teams have ever won a blinking thing. Sheffield so Wednesday did. Sheffield Wednesday did. Sheffield Wednesday never won anything worth talking about since two centuries ago, OK? Since two centuries ago. One League Cup. Thank one you. League Cup, OK? Um, and, and, and by the way, they got beaten in two finals in the same season by Arsenal, so they've never really done anything to whistle home about, OK? I think it's a brilliant idea, though. I'd say it's absolutely brilliant. Yes, and so what I'm saying is that cities who fail with two clubs yeah. could succeed with one. I it agree. would be a step forward the, I agree. in the evolution of football. The obvious, obvious question, Mike, having bleated on about Liverpool and Everton, mm, is mm. how would that stand on Merseyside? Well, it would, you wouldn't do it on Merseyside because each of the clubs in the city of Liverpool have. are gigantic clubs with gigantic histories, gigantic backgrounds. Everton are the yeah. fourth most successful club in this country. Liverpool yeah. are second or third. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. You Golden. didn't say anything about Liverpool and Everton. Yeah. Of course having... you don't, because they survive individually as great clubs. Right, but you could just, you could just flatten Bristol Rovers are trash. You could just flatten Stanley Park and build a one stadium there and put the two teams together. Why did you not think well, of that? Well, they tried to do that. They've, just they've tried to, that plan. I just have to disagree with you. I think that, in, it, that Mike Parry has come up with a brilliant brilliant idea and this is not heretical at all this is not heretical this is a fantastic idea right tim vine i think he's agreeing i don't agree at all it's heretical to people of bristol who are i'm telling you you're not knocking down my football stadium stephen grant you're going to rename football look i'm i'm trying to solve the fundamental problem with football and whereas i believe var is very prevalent right now and i was agreed entirely with andrew's points 
I think the problem with football is, is that football still has a bad reputation, sometimes to do with FIFA, but a lot to do with some of the aggression and the non-sporting approach that football has in the rest of the sporting world. And I think a lot of that is to do with the fact there's a sense of entitlement and arrogance around the football community, because if we all appreciate and understand it is the beautiful game and in many ways the best sport in the world. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do is have a little bit more humility. And I think the problem comes, especially within the English game, or the British game specifically, in the fact that we call it football. Mm-hmm. Football as a name is an umbrella term for various other footballs around the world. And I know it's going to be okay. hard for people to hear this, right? Rugby, football, American football. Mm-hmm. There are other forms of football out there. And the name used to be soccer. Now, everyone hates the name soccer. They think, oh, it's an Americanism. But of course it isn't, because it comes from association football. And it came up so that we could establish the difference between association football and rugby football, the age of which are being pretty much the same as each other. There's an argument that one is older than the other. And I'm sure on social media, people will be correcting me on this. But the reality is, it's a British name that we came up with, we gave the Americans. Mm. And when Americans came up with American football, they kept soccer. And American football became football, and that's obviously their lookout, and we're not going to judge them on that. But we used to call it soccer ourselves, up until about the mid-70s. It was an interchangeable name with football. Then we decided it was too American, and we got rid of it, and we went to football. And that arrogance has permeated the sport and made us unpopular with other sporting areas. And if we go back to soccer, football can get some humility back and be popular amongst sporting fans everywhere. It's a tough decision, everyone will hate it, but in a generation's time, everyone who supports football or plays it will be welcomed into the rest of the sporting community. Soccer. I recommend a referendum on that. (laughs) Some previous glory hunters there, daring to think the unthinkable in sporting heretics. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Jim White. There was a petition for me to be featured on the new £50 note. You're listening to Glory Hunters, the podcast from Talk Sport. Now, here on Glory Hunters, we like to probe our panellists in the nicest way possible, and that's why we do this. Our esteemed panel are about to face the scrutiny of the general public and have absolutely no idea what they'll ask as we play A Question of Sport Time. our first question please hello guys i'd like to ask the panel who do they believe is the most overrated person in sport terry alderton 
Well, I was going to go. Um, I was going to go a bit controversial, and I had a good reason why. I was going to go David Beckham, but not that he wasn't a great player and you know brilliant player and was always dependable when we needed him. But I think he's more famous than he was as good a player as he could have been, mm. okay. right? Because mm. he became more of a corporate footballer. That's where I was going to go. And then I suddenly thought, no, I'm not going to have a go at old Bex. Mm. I don't really like to have a go at anyone, but I'm going Paul Popka. Who? Paul Popka. <laughs> Paul Pop. Who is it? Paul Popka. Paul, Paul Popka. Who is it? I hate Paul. Paul Popcorn. I hate Paul, that guy. Paul, Paul Gogka. Who is it, Paul? Paul Poker. Paul Poker Face. Paul Pogden. Come on, Paul, Terry. Paul Pogden. Who is it, Terry? Paul Pogden. Paul Pogden. I can't say it now. For real. So maybe you don't me. like him because maybe me. you think he's overrated because Paul Pogba. You can't say his name. I can't say his name. I can't whistle either. Anyway, Paul Pogba. I think he's a great, a great footballer, and you've seen it when he played for France in the World Cup. He's yeah. superb. He's a great, great, great yeah. footballer. Yeah. But I think he's just—I mean, I don't know him, so it's wrong to say. But from what goes on, when his people have got to decide whether he's injured or not, Man United can't mm. decide whether he's injured or not. And where's he gone again? And for me, I think one of the main problems for Manchester United has been him. I think he's, he's not a good apple in the apple cart. So that, makes him over, that makes him overrated. I think he's overrated in the fact that he Who? believes his own hype. Because I think there's, he needs a bit of humble pie about him. Because he is a phenomenal footballer. And I think he could be one of the all-time great footballers. But mm. I think what he's doing is he's believing mm. the hype, as Public Enemy would say. They would say that. And well, I flavor, don't, flavor So for that. me, he's overrated on that score, hopefully to bring him down a peg. And that he can be the great player that we saw in the World Cup. So you want to bring Pogba down a peg? I don't think he'll even be listening to this show. <laughs> yeah, Paul Pogba. Pogba. I mean, I'm going to give you one goal for just Pogba. trying to say his name. Pogba. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's worth more than that. Oh, one goal. Jacob Hawley. Yes. Who do you think is the most overrated person in sport? I think the most overrated person in sport is sports fans oh, and I say that as a sports fan myself and I say that because on a Sunday afternoon after drinking a skinful the night before I'll wake up with a hangover drink four more sit there half drunk in an armchair and I will sit there and shout about how a professional athlete who's spent their entire life training to be on the pitch that I'm watching has misplaced a pass by four inches. <laughs> That's one of the reasons. The, the other reason that I think sports fans are overrated is because uh, last year I remember England played a game where there was no fans in the ground and I thought it was actually hilarious being able to hear what the players were saying yeah. to each other. Yeah. And I actually think, so I've, I've made the mistake of watching rugby because the Six Nations is back, but... <laughs> One of the things I like about rugby is that you can hear the referees. And I think wouldn't it be better if you could hear the referees and the players and the managers, microphone all of them, tell the fans to just be quiet and enjoy the pantomime of footballers screaming at each other. I like the idea. It's a very brave answer as well, Jacob. Very, very good. Three goals. Very good. Can we have our next question, please? Hello. I'd like to ask the panel, what everyday activity deserves sports status? Adam Riches. I would say uh, guessing where the train doors are on a platform. Very nice. I think there's, there, I know there's apps and there's things that you can kind of find out where best to stand to get that door, that sweet spot when it's there. Mm. But I think if you had people that had no prior knowledge of the platform or the service at all and just threw them on, they gave them 10 seconds to go yeah. and they got to pick that nice spot for the doors. I think you could, I think you could apply a point system to that. You've got to come down the, the stairs right. onto the platform yeah. on a, any platform around the country, uh, hit the doors. The stairs bit is... You know, that's, that's up to you, Charlie. If you oh, want okay. to... that, that, that was just adding that. I wouldn't mark and... them on the stairs. Oh, right, okay. uh, I think it would be solely on, like, straight, straight onto the platform, 10 yeah. seconds, clocked. They can see the train coming, so there's that drama. There's that yeah. sense of drama and yeah. intrigue, and then they've just got to pick where to go. People would get really good <laughs> knowledge of... Tra- they'd go travel the country practising on the train stations until it comes to tournament yeah. time. Well, ideally, you'd have people that have never, ever seen a train before. Oh, that'd be because nice. Because then that would be... That would be so, yeah, they, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't actually be knowing what they were doing on the platform, but we as the viewer <laughs> yeah. would know that they were trying to get yeah. where the door was. I will grant you there's a natural jeopardy in the process of alighting that train. Mm-hmm. And do I get points for using the word alighting? I think so. <laughs> the bottom line is that um, you've got obviously lots of potential obstacles. Some train services close the doors 60 seconds before departure and don't open them again, mm-hmm. which I think is an extra curveball. Because you don't know whether it'll be one of those trains or not. Because there's a couple of operators. There's one. The worst is two minutes. I I lost a relationship. In Adam's rules, you're waiting for the train to come in. And it's people who've never seen a train before. Yeah, and also Mm. it doesn't relate to when the train leaves. It's just when you get on. Yeah, 
And isn't a lighting when you get off? Isn't that, is, a, is a lighting getting off or getting on? Getting a lighting off. is getting on, isn't it? No, it's getting, getting off. off. Yeah, getting off. Sorry, Mark. You actually lose a point. Adam, it's an excellent idea. I'm giving you two goals. Wendy Wayson. Uh, the sport I would implicate is making tea. I would like tea to be a sport. You can also pitch your children against each other to make you a cup of tea. There's flair, the colour mm. of the tea, um, the amount of milk they add to it, uh, how they serve it. Also, the little curveball of what they serve it with. Oh. My little boy served me some Smarties in an egg cup with my tea. You've got no, I didn't really want a well top wow. I know. I didn't want a Smartie, but as soon as I saw the Smartie, I was like, that is a genius Especially idea. An egg cup. Not, a whole, not a whole packet, just a few. And I was like, this is amazing. Enough. A taste. Yeah. I feel there's a problem. Oh, okay. I must admit. That's fine. Okay. Put I love the idea. Spanner in. It feels to me that it's subjective on the taste of the tea and the person you're serving it yeah. to. Judges could be all different. So well, you have to research your judges. It's like ice skating. It's not going to appeal to everyone. So, then the, so it would be making my tea. So making I'd say I like my tea sort of strong, bit of milk, yeah. and then I'd be gauging it. Maybe you just have to look at the like person. Maybe a European yeah. tan or <laughs> no. maybe like a, a, an Irish tan. Oh, yes. or <laughs> I withdraw my, oh, yeah. my problem with okay. very, very good. Yeah. Uh, Wendy, it's an excellent answer. And you mentioned Smarties in an egg cup, which brilliant. <laughs> Three goals. Mark Dolan. I worried that this non-sporting activity is so demanding, both physically and mentally, that it's almost too hard to be a sport. But I'm going to submit it. Filling the dishwasher, mm, which is the bane of most people's lives. I think we can all agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's a highly strategic process to make sure that you stack plates with a sufficient equidistance between them that each plate gets a good scrub. You have the profound physical challenge of getting the drawer back in position should it derail. Have you ever suffered a derail of oh, the dishwasher? Yeah, it's human conquest, isn't it? Man yeah. versus machine. Yeah. God help you if you run out of salt or rinse aid. That's the ultimate curveball, isn't it? And you never know when that rinse aid is going to run dry. That's like though when the when the kit man for a team turns up and they've got the, bought the wrong kit or no away kit, isn't it? Okay. Not bought rinse aid. It's it's the equivalent of uh, you know. I am awful <clears throat> at it, loading the dishwasher. I put this down to the fact that I grew up without a dishwasher. Oh. Never had one. And so okay. even now, How I am terrible at it. And even now, I am terrible <laughs> I at it. I wondered why your hands also, are so dry Also, all our crap. plates oh. are too big for our dishwasher. Some of the dishwashers that you can lift up the, the, the top I, tier. Oh, I'm not interested in the whole thing. Yeah. I quite enjoy, because my husband is very particular about how the dishwasher gets stacked. And I think, who the hell cares? You just chuck it all in. And sometimes I think I could put a plate in straight. Or I could put it in just a little bit wonky and ruin his whole day. Oh, well, that's, that's cool. perfect. That's, that, no, that's all part of the sport. That is I a scorched it, yeah. earth policy. I like it, Mark, but you've reminded me of the dishwasher. So I'm going to give you two goals. James Brown. OK, I do this. OK. And it's very enjoyable, which is why I believe it should be established as an Olympic sport. The throwing of tea bags into cups from a distance. Yeah. Vastly improved when the pyramid tea bag was introduced. Yeah. I first saw this on one of the early series of Big Brother. There was a, a Scottish guy called Sandy. Okay. It was very meticulous about how he did his daily routine. It was before, in the early days of Big Brother, they didn't give him anything to yeah. do. They just put them in there. <laughs> and he used to jog around this swimming pool every morning. The other thing he used to do was throw tea bags in. And it's actually a very rewarding yeah. sport because it works because you get a cup of tea at the end. That's the reward. It's easy to clear up because yeah. the tea bags largely no fall mess. roughly the same area. They're not messy. You can use them again. So it's very in keeping with the idea of recycling and, mm. and not having excessive waste. And the feeling when the tea bag lands in the cup is just fantastic. And, yeah. and, and you, can, you can vary the distance. You can have long distance pyramid tea bag throwing, you can have short distance. Very nice. Pyramid, or you can do it from a height, yeah. or you can do it flat, whatever it works. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very satisfying. Love and I, it. people watch curling, they watch darts, they watch bowls. This is the kitchen version of all of them. It would be very, very popular. It's like javelin without the danger. Uh, it's an excellent, perfect <laughs> idea, James. I love Brilliant. It. I love it. Three goals. Can we have our next question, please? Hello. What four other players, past or present, would the panel select for their five-a-side team? I'm assuming in the question he means you're playing as well. <laughs> so you are, you are in this squad. I don't, you, I'd like to know where you're going to play as well, what position. Uh, Natalie. Oh, what goodness. four players, past or present, would you select for your five-a-side team? Um, well, I am going for Buffon. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lovely, you know. yeah. And then I'm going for... 
Pirlo. Quite like the idea of sharing a glass of wine with Pirlo. Yeah, I can imagine you do. Yes, carry on, Natalie. (laughs) Uh, Then I'm going for... Messi on and Henri, because I just think to see that. And Henri. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a great five-a-side team, we'll all admit. How exciting is that, though? I think that would be a that's fun a, team to watch. That's a fun team. I mean, yeah. Interesting. Messi no... is definitely fifth wheeling there. <laughs> <laughs> no Brentford players. No, Brent, no, not no, one. No, because um, they're too good for my team. <laughs> yes, there we are. Let's have the next question, please. Hello, I'd like to ask the panel... What do you no longer see in sport that you'd like to see return? James Brown. I liked it uh, at football grounds, and I mainly experienced it through photographs, um, when you'd see big crowds of people on the hills looking through gaps in yes. the stands. lovely. Another version of that is people on the top of blocks of flats. Yes, yes. It's a great reflection on how important sport Normally it would be football or cricket. Yeah. How important those fixtures are for those people. And I think those photographs or that experience, if, you'd, if you're a listener and you've been up the top of a hill or a, a tree, on top yeah. of some flats or up some trees, you're all climbing the stanchions that the floodlights were on. Yeah. Too many people <laughs> on platforms they shouldn't be on yeah. because they love Get the, the wrong train. Great answer. I'm going to give you three goals. The Thank maximum you. of six goals. Thank you. You got there. Dougie Anderson. I miss an old school dugout and the scrambles mm. contained therein. The sheer spectacle of seeing people hitting their heads on the concrete roof while <laughs> sitting 20 feet below sea level in something that did resemble a World War II beach defence position, perhaps in Normandy. Um, it was truly a sight to behold because now the so-called bench or technical area, isn't it? It's like an upmarket doctor's waiting room, isn't it? You've got comfortable place to be, you've got the heated seats, a yeah. selection of isotonic drinks. You wonder if some players would rather be there than on the pitch. Not so in the old school dugout, because it's back to basics. It will focus players on what's important and why they started playing in the first place. Yeah, I like that. It's a great answer. Um, I don't. I wouldn't go back to those old like Nissan huts, aren't they? Or like concrete... You just see the, 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 player, the, the player, a sub perhaps, the old physiotherapist just peeking out. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. literally yeah. dug yeah. out, Another. doesn't it? Yeah. I never wanted to leave. I'm here for the rest of my life and hopefully after that as well. We've seen an array of guests join us on the show, one of which was maestro, musician and Man City fan Rick Wakeman, a man whose talent has propelled him into the Premier League of music. Rick Wakeman, oh, I was getting bored then. I, mean, <laughs> I was going to say, do you like listening to your own stuff? What no, is it like? I rarely, if ever, listen to my, my own stuff unless I'm really depressed and then want to get even more depressed. No, it's very hard to listen to your own stuff. So, so I, 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 well, I don't. When you hear it, do you hear different things to everyone else? Do you hear like, oh, I played that a bit it, wrong? No, or it that depends wasn't... on the piece. I think it's like the Bowie stuff and the, and the T-Rex stuff. You, you just remember that the times you spent with them, it does, come, does sort of come flooding back, I must admit, yeah. You've played on over 2,000, 2,000 records, is that yeah, well, I'm right? old. Oh, OK, <laughs> yeah. OK. Yeah, it's, and you yeah, started it's, early. Yeah, it's about two, I started in 65, I did the first sessions for people, then did loads went through 71. Those were the days when you did two or three a day, you know, like sort of 10 to 1 in the morning, you'd be along doing, you know, loads of stuff, uh, and you never knew what you were going to do. So you could be doing sort of, 
Clive Dunn, Grandad, followed by Love Grows Like My Rosemary's Nose. Did you play on Grandad? I did the follow-up funny. I did uh, Grandad, Grandma, I Love You. Grandma, you, everybody, we I love, love you. you. It, it Just was, two of us. Yeah, so you'd be doing all sorts of things. You could be doing Black Sabbath in, in the evening, as I say, Clive Dunn, and, or, or you could be doing anything. It was great fun. Did you ever play on something and think, oh, that's a load of our rubbish, never hear of that again, and yeah, then it was a huge hit? Oh, no, it was a huge, huge hit. You did learn to sort of spot them. I mean, so when I did the T-Rex stuff and obviously the Bowie stuff, where we did Space Odyssey first of all, you just sort of know that's, that's, yeah, cl- yeah. that's classy. That really is good. Now, Rick, you and Elvis are the only two people I've ever seen in music who could carry off a cape. I'm yeah. disappointed you haven't got yours on today. No, I haven't got it on today. It's interesting. There's a lot of Elvis connections uh, that I've got. Um, um, did you ever meet him? Uh, no, uh, close. My, my father was an Elvis impersonator. Oh, right. But he, didn't, he did really badly. There, was, there wasn't much call for it in 1937. <laughs> he, uh, he, he, intru- he actually did introduce me to Elvis. <laughs> Sorry about That's that. such a good joke. <laughs> Sorry, I know. I must behave myself. I do apologise. He came to a couple of Yes shows, and we actually played in Memphis the day he died. And that was really tough. You've got an audience of, like, 25,000 people in tears. Yeah. You know, I've done like, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just an average show for me. Yeah. But it, it, was, it was a strange night. Yeah, the, the cape things, yeah. yeah it, Who did, did you design your own costumes and outfits? They came by accident, really. I used to carry, well, I still do carry loads and loads of keyboards about. And there was a review back in 1971 that said that I looked like a demented spider with legs and arms going everywhere, <laughs> trying to play all the things. Yeah. And I became really conscious of the self-conscious. And we did uh, an outdoor festival, which was introduced by the local DJ in Hartford. And uh, he was wearing a three-quarter length cape. And when he turned round, he was enormous. I thought, that cape hides a multitude of seats. <laughs> so he came off and I Very said... Very slimming a cape. And I said, yeah. I said, can I, can I buy your cape? And he went, no. And I said, go on. And I'd just been proud. I got $200 in my back pocket in a $20, $20 bill. And I said, I'll give you all I've got. This is my, my, my wage is $200. And he looked at it and he went, you're all right then. So he took the money and I put the cape on, came off. And our lighting guy, Michael Tate, came to me and said... You just found the answer, but it's not a black cape like that. We need to get you a real sparkly, glittery sequin cape so that it catches the lights. And he said, I know, I know a lady who will make them for you. And he introduced me to this lady in, uh, in Cleveland, and she made the capes, and that's how it all started. I still wear them in all the rock shows, and if I don't, people complain like crazy. Where was the cape? Yeah, I, I get it all, yeah. Uh, and when I do South America, it's actually, they write it in the contract that I will wear one of the classic original capes. Because in their magazines, that's all they print, picture of you in the, in the, in the cape. So you go, OK, any friend of Batman's a friend of mine. Now, clearly, Rick is a man who's worked with a variety of musical greats. But the one performer we were all keen to know about was his close encounter with Basil Brush. I was doing a programme with, with Danny Baker called Bygones, going way back, and we were recording at the Beeb. And I walked into the wrong studio where Basil was rehearsing. And it was the, the guy who was with him was the guy, not with his hand up, Basil, but the guy who was the next was the guy who, used to, who was in um, a Yes Minister. Oh, Derek yeah. Foles, yeah. Derek Foles, yeah. yeah. And he, he, he was there. And I went in and, and he stopped and, and Basil looked at me and said, went, oh, it's Rick Wakeman. I said, yeah. He said, what are you doing now? So I've come in the wrong studio. And he went, oh, really? I said, yeah. He said, well, off then. And, <laughs> so I was told to <laughs> by Basil. Brush. And I went to see uh, a few years ago, he was in pantomime at Ipswich at the Regent. And I took some of the grandchildren al- along. And we went back afterwards and uh, just to, to say hello. And of course, it's a different guy with his hand yeah. up, Basil now. And I just, I, I happened to mention the, 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 the story. <laughs> and he did, did wait till the grandchildren had left. He went, by the way, Rick, you spent my studio. He said, <laughs> so, it was, yeah. so I'm the only person who's been told to f- twice by Basil wow. Brush. Now, Rick isn't the only guest to have come face to face with a legend. Tommy Walsh, a man who's a ground force unto himself, shared a similar tale. Well, it's always great if you want to win a few quid, actually, because the, the question you need to ask is, who was the goalkeeper that David Beckham scored, against, scored a penalty against, the last one? For a, in an England game. Oh, okay, Lovely. okay, yeah. And it was During a full England, England international, and it was I was doing something for um, for Sport Relief, and they said, "Will you do a penalty competition at half time?" So okay. I said, "Yeah, sure." So I went down. I had my son. He was only ten at the time with me, and he stood by the goal. And Sven was in charge 
uh, and for the for the first time, and for no apparent reason, at half time the players didn't go off the pitch; they all stayed on the sideline. So it was right rather weird. But yeah. I knew a few of them. Uh, you know, David James was the club captain sure. at West Ham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Goalkeepers so, Union, of course. Exactly mm-hmm. the big high five. I went in goal, got on with. There was ten penalties, and there was uh, five people, all had two penalties each. So no one was taking any notice. Yeah. You know, everyone going to get their pints and pies and whatever. Yeah. And it was at Man City's ground, so that's where the England game was being played, mm-hmm. against Iceland. Yeah, so I saved the first penalty, saved the second one, saved the third one, <laughs> saved the fourth, fifth and sixth one. Ooh. By now, people are getting a bit interested, yeah. you know, and I've got the crowd, you know, behind yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple of the England players started warming down. Sammy Lee was warming them down mm-hmm. uh, on the edge of the box. Only a couple of them. So uh, penalty number seven and penalty number eight saved them. Penalty number nine saved that. So that's nine, nine out of nine. nine. By now, the whole England team are on the edge of the box. No one's warming down. They're just watching the <laughs> penalty competition. So he took the tenth penalty and I saved it. So it's ten out of ten. And uh, the crowd were going nuts. And uh, David Beckham was laughing, you know, standing on the edge. I went, come on in, son, bring it on. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to think... This, you know, really was, was a long while ago now. My son's 26, so he was 10, 16 years ago. But you've got the England captain. He was about 28, so he was at, yeah. his, at his peak, peak. I yeah, suppose, yeah. at his prime. And um, I just saved 10 out of 10 penalties in front of a full house, England, full international. The dream. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a Cockney builder. This, this yeah. is like <laughs> yeah. something else, like a dream waking up. To be fair to him, he picked the ball up and put it down because he said he can't. I said, come on. He said, I can't because of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And up, apparently up in the gallery, they were going, David Beckham's about to take a penalty. <laughs> Who did he take the penalty against? Have they kicked off? <laughs> so uh, you've got to remember now, I think as a goalkeeper all my life, about 60% of, of people, of players, if they're right-footed, go to the goalkeeper's left oh, and about okay. 40% go to the goalkeeper's right. Yeah. So as he ran up to take it, he's got such a sweet right foot. I just moved a bit early because oh. I don't normally just to just, just to move my not inconsiderable weight onto the one <laughs> leg you see and over this left hand side because I'm going to save it anywhere yeah. on that side and then he stopped you know when he yeah, digs yeah, his yeah, foot yeah. in he stopped I fell over and he just flicked it in <laughs> oh. and that was um, but ironically that was the last penalty he scored in a, an England shirt because the next three penalties he, he took for England he missed he all missed, three he had the one way slipped the yeah. foot, foot went out yeah. from under him yeah. and I did chance my arm afterwards, though, because I, I, he said to me, he came, he said he was a big fan of Ground Force, it was his favourite programme. Oh, yeah. And that's been documented. What did he say, can you do by, my patio? Well, no, he said, that I've been wanting to talk to you for ages, so I thought I'd chance my arm, and I sent him a book, uh, a signed book, and I said, Dear David and Victoria, the reason I deliberately dived the wrong way during a <laughs> penalty competition was I didn't want to damage your confidence going into the Europeans. Yeah, yeah. However, if you like a rematch, I would be available for the final. <laughs> <laughs> However, it felt like we were in the Legends Lounge when impressionist Darren Farley joined us along with Will Meller and German comedian Christian Schulterlow. Favourite impression to do is Harry Redknapp. I love doing Harry Redknapp. Can you Redknapp. give us a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Were you, were you, he was absolutely fantastic. He's a trippy play, were you? He's absolutely fantastic. He, he's, a, he's a breath of fresh air, he really is. He's absolutely <laughs> terrific, fantastic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a very poor performance all over the place of the season, but so far, I couldn't see the position, the questions of everything going on there. I don't know what was going on the season, but... <laughs> no, look at that, and that position was all over the place. Then was just kind of... Mm. <laughs> Rafa Benitez, you'd probably say, is one of the tougher characters to do. Yeah, well, listen, you talk about this, you know that the players, they work very hard. And you see for, sometimes for the club, you can see that, yeah, okay, always you work very hard, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see, so. That's incredible, that's fantastic. Thank you. Will, got any impressions? Hey, get down, do the chopper, get down. <laughs> do the chopper, do it. Now we have to say that that wasn't me. No, no. <laughs> so, by the way, that Schwarzenegger... That was Sylvester Stallone, by the way. Christian, when, got anything? Got any? When Schwarzenegger was on Leno, I can only recommend that video when he was on Leno's talk show. Leno said, I heard that you are an avid skier. And then Schwarzenegger said, what do you mean I'm an average skier? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to hear Harry Kane. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, it's, uh, it's been a great season. I think that obviously we need to score goals, that's important. Uh, but yeah, listen, we've got great players who, who can score goals as well, but uh, it's not all down to me. We've got to see the players who score it. Yeah, obviously. You must have a good Roy. Well, of course, obviously, it's very good to play. We have to play a very good performance, but of course, we've got to play very well. I think we struggled 
We struggled in one particular area today. The pitch, back in the bottom there. A few talented voices there joining us on the show. But a man with a secret talent is Bob Mills, who revealed his encyclopedic knowledge of an early 90s TV show. I'm going to list a number of names from the TV show Gladiators. Oh, no. I, I need you to tell it. me which are true or false. Oh, when your time is up, you'll hear this sound. Louis from Gars Army! Are we ready? Come. Your time starts now. Saracen. True. Tis true. Amazon. True. Tis true. Rocket Man. False. Tis false. Razzle. False. Tis false. Vulcan. True. True. Tuppany Nudger. False. Tis false. <laughs> Xanadu. False. Tis false. Rio. True. Tis true. Laser Quest. Tr- false. Tis false. Zodiac. True. Tis true. Fiesta. False. Tis false. Trojan. True. Tis true. Colonic. False. Tis false. <laughs> Apollo. False. Tis false. Bullet. True. Tis true. The Baron. False. Tis false. Diesel. True. It is true. Chaos. False. It is false. The Woodsman. False. It is false. Rebel. True. It is true. Siren. True. It is true. Louis from Gars and Army. Unbelievable. We got them all right. I know the gladiators. I'm a huge fan. I work with a lot of the gladiators. I don't know the gladiators, but I think I would have got colonic. Colonic was funny. A thrilling finale to that fixture and a dramatic end to this platter of tasty radio morsels that are enough to excite the taste buds without leaving you feeling too bloated. Be sure to join us next Sunday at 9.30 for another thrilling fixture featuring famous faces. But until then, to all of our winners, we say... Ah, You have to say that's magnificent. That was just pure football genius. And to our losers... Oh, you are a disgrace! For missing the target from there, you want bloody shooting! Until next time, from me, Charlie Baker, it's goodbye. If Glenn Oddle had been any other nationality, he would have had 70 or 80 caps for England. <laughs> That's the best one yet, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.